So last week, Pastor Chris finished up our latest series on the book of Colossians. And now we're going to be starting two different sermon series that we'll be working through over the next few months over the summer. Pastor Chris is going to be preaching through the first few chapters of the book of Proverbs in a series called Wise Beyond Our Years. And on the off weeks, we will be going through a sermon series on evangelism called On Mission. As we look to explore some New Testament passages in an effort to understand the mission that God has for all believers in Jesus Christ. And that's what we're going to be starting here this morning. And so this morning, uh, my goal is really to lay the foundation for the rest of this series on evangelism. And so we're going to be starting in the book of Acts this morning, Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 11. So open up your Bibles, click, swipe, tap, do whatever you need to, to open up to um, Acts chapter 1 so that you can follow along with me. It will be on your screen in front of you, but I do just, as I'm going through this, as I'm talking through this message today, I just want to encourage you to test what I'm saying against God's word. So follow along as we're going that everything I'm saying is, is what God's word says. So let me read together for us this morning. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So this series that we're starting is called On Mission. Many of us probably have an idea of what we mean when we say we are on a mission for Christ. But I also think that along the way, we've really lost the true meaning of what that means, what our mission is. When I say somebody's on a mission, what do you typically think of? We think of someone who is hyper-focused on achieving some sort of goal. They have some goal or purpose, and, and their sole purpose, the thing that is driving them is just to accomplish their mission. If they're doing well on their mission, you see them focused, you see them driven, they're consumed by all that they need to get it done. If they're not doing well on their mission, you might see that they don't have much drive or, or desire to actually accomplish what they've set off. Maybe they're distracted or, or sadly they've just lost their sense or desire for their mission. Now, as Christians, Jesus has made it clear that we are to be on mission. The Christian life is not a playground, but a battleground. God has not saved us so that we can live comfortably, happily, self-centeredly in our lives in this world. But instead, he has given us a purpose. He has given us a mission. 
I believe the American church ha- has forgot their sense of this mission in a lot of ways. And, and I even think here at Gateway, we have lost our sense of what God has called us to do. And as I said before, either we just don't understand and fully grasp what God is calling us to do as he is putting us on mission, or sadly, we've lost our desire for it. Maybe we were enthused years ago in our our walk with Christ, but we have been torn down, tired, weary, and instead of renewing our strength in God, we've, we've lost a grip on the mission that he's called us to. So it's, it's my prayer this morning, and it's my prayer for myself, that, that we would get this renewed sense of desire for, for this mission that God's called us to. And, as I, and, and I pray that as we work through this series over the next few months, that the Holy Spirit will work in us to produce fruit in this mission. So what is our mission? Well, that's where we get to this passage in the book of Acts. In this passage, we see Jesus sending his disciples on their mission. It's the same mission that we are on now as believers in Christ. We are being equipped by the Holy Spirit to be on mission to expand the witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the main point that I'm going to be drawing out of this text this morning. And we're mainly going to be focusing in on verse 8. And we're going to break this up into three points. And we're going to go in a little bit of a reverse order of how the verse lays it out. But I think that'll help me draw out my points. So that's how I'm going to do it this morning. First, we're going to look at what it means to be a witness of Jesus Christ. And second, we're going to see that our witness is to be an expanding witness. And then third, we're going we're to circle back to the beginning of verse 8, and we're going to look at how we are to be equipped by the special power of the Holy Spirit to carry out this witness. So that's my basic outline for my message today. And so let's dig into it. As we reach our passage in the book of Acts, we see that Jesus has he's already risen from the dead. He's been amongst the disciples for 40 days. This is right before the ascension where Jesus ascends into heaven. We see that at the end of the passage here. And then in the verses leading up to this passage, Jesus is is telling his disciples to wait in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit to come upon them. And that's what leads to this question that kicks off our passage in verse 6. The disciples ask, okay, so when this Holy Spirit comes, is this when you're going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Which is actually a very reasonable question. Jesus has been teaching them about the the kingdom of God. And his disciples are, are well aware of what the Old Testament says about the age in which the Spirit of God is poured out onto the earth. They know that this is signifying the end times so that they, so they're asking here that they're, they want to know earnestly, are they going to be able to witness this? They want to know if they're going to be able to witness God restoring the kingdom to Israel. So Jesus doesn't rebuke them for this question. He doesn't correct their theology on restoration. Instead, we see he corrects their assumption that they have any right knowing the timing of it. They just don't need to know. 
that's not what they're supposed to focus on. Instead, Jesus sets their minds somewhere else. Instead of just waiting for the day in which Jesus will return, he instructs them to go out and to be his witnesses in the world. Their purpose, their mission as disciples of Jesus isn't to just go into the temple, pray, and worship, but it is to deliver a faithful witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But what does that mean? What does it mean to be a witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ? Well, first, let's talk about what it means to be a witness. I think it's important for us to understand this because I think uh, this is where a lot of us get dismayed in evangelism. People often think that they can't be effective in evangelism just because they don't know enough. They don't know how to, how to combat all the arguments that come up. They're not apologists. But Jesus isn't telling us here to be able to put up all the good arguments. He's telling us to be a witness. And yes, there are other passages in the Bible that do tell us to be able to defend our faith and be able to do that. But I want to focus in on the difference here by just being told to be a witness. Now, anyone who is a believer should be able to be a witness of the gospel. So what does it mean to be a witness? Well, if you were subpoenaed to be a witness in court, then that means that you are coming to court to give a testimony of something that you've experienced. You aren't the, the lawyer trying to convince the jury of a specific argument. You are there to provide the witness of what you experienced. So how do we apply that to our witness of Jesus Christ? Luke actually gives us a little bit more detail in his other book that he's written. So as you probably know, Acts is the second book that was written by Luke. It was preceded by his gospel, and the ending of the gospel of Luke, chapter 24, actually overlaps a little bit with the first chapter of Acts and our passage here this morning. So if you flip your Bibles back a, a few pages um, to Luke 24, um, I'm going to read a little bit for us, starting in for, verses 44. Luke actually goes into a little bit more detail about what it means to be a witness of Jesus Christ. Jesus is here, he's talking to his disciples, and he says, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in the names of all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power on high. Jesus was, was telling his disciples that they had been witnesses to the redemptive work that was done on the cross. As believers in Christ, we have firsthand experience of the redemptive work of Jesus Christ. We are able to be witnesses of the gospel. And the word witness here is key. The gospel isn't just an argument that you memorize and recite. The gospel is personal. 
If we are to be effective in our mission to evangelize, then we must first understand the personal nature of the gospel in our own hearts. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying here either. I'm not saying that our aim is not to persuade others to believe in the gospel. Our mission is to persuade others to believe in the gospel. That is what we are being tasked with doing. But if we are going to be effective in our evangelistic efforts, then we must speak and give testimony to the way that the gospel has transformed our own hearts and lives. Often when we talk about the gospel presentation, we talk about presenting it in four components. God, man, Christ response. There are other ways to present the gospel. This is just one of the popular ones, so it's th- I'll just talk through this one today. And often when we ask someone to, what the gospel is, they have answers memorized. That they, they talk about each of the four components of the gospel. But what I want to urge you to do is not to just memorize, but internalize the gospel. So when we talk about God, When we talk about God as our loving, holy, and just creator, what does that mean to you? How do the attributes of God move in your heart? How have you seen the ways that God has been comforting and loving? Where have you seen his grace abound in your life? If we are to convince people that we have a God who is worth surrendering their lives to, We must present God in a way that shows how our own hearts are touched by who he is. When we talk about man as created in the image of God, created with worth and value, but but man who has rebelled against our loving and just God, and because of that deserving his wrath, well, we can talk about this deep despair and hopelessness that we lived in and experienced. We can talk about how we, we know that there is no hope in our never-ending battle against sin and that we were slaves to our flesh and, and to sinful desires. The more we understand this personal despair that our souls were in, the more meaningful the gospel has in our heart and the more meaningful our presentation of the gospel is. And then when we talk about Christ, the Son of God, whose sinless life gave him the ability to be the perfect sacrifice for all the world's sin, through Christ's death on the cross, we've been ransomed, he ransomed all sinful people that had no right to be saved. And through that death, we have the ability to be justified and made right with God. And then just as Jesus was resurrected from the dead, we too have been united with him in life and have been created new to live a new life and holy purpose. Now, this is one that I really hope is not just a trivial statement that you just know in your head, but it doesn't impact your heart. The weight of the glory of Christ should forever be ingrained in our hearts. So what has it done to you to be justified by his death and created new? How has your heart responded with, with joy to that news? And so as we, as we look to present the gospel, as we look to, to be and bear witness to the gospel, we can be able to, to share what Christ has actually meant to us. 
And finally, as we discuss our response that God has required of us, acknowledging our sin, repenting, turning away from our old ways, and believing and having faith in Jesus Christ. When we talk about our response to Christ, we can bear witness to all that God has done since the time which we have been saved. We are able to bear witness to what God has done in the regeneration of our hearts, what God has done in the ways that we have been brought closer to him, and the ways that he has showered us with his overwhelming grace. We should have countless ways to describe the way our response to Christ has impacted our lives. And so this is what we are being called to do. We are to bear witness and to testify to the glory of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In this hostile, in this world that is hostile to the gospel, we are to provide a faithful witness. And that brings us to our second point. Now, Jesus is pretty particular here. Our witness is not just to be something that's limited, but it's supposed to be ever expanding to the entire world. Jesus says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Jesus is telling his disciples that their witness will start here. It's going to start in Jerusalem, but that's not where it's going to end. It's going to expand to all the nations, to all the people, to all of the cultures around the world. This witness is so great that the entire world needs to hear of the glory of God. Jesus is instructing his disciples to not just provide an occasional witness to the people around them in the same cultural circles that they're accustomed to. Instead, he is saying that there needs to be an ever-expanding effort to penetrate more and more of Satan's strongholds of unbelief around the world. It's not just that the people around you that you're comfortable with that you need to provide a witness to. We are called to make sure that our witness is expanding This is an area that I think we probably need to do a lot of work as a church. We need to be providing a witness to the glory of the gospel of Christ, not just to the people that we're comfortable with, not just to our young professionals group, our old friends from from college, or our our neighbors that we hang out with. We are called to provide a witness that expands across any artificial, cultural, or societal divides that we've put up. The gospel message is cross-cultural. It surpasses any societal divides that we've constructed. And if we are to be faithful to the witness that Christ has called us to, if we are to bear witness to the power that the gospel truly holds on our own heart, if we are to bear witness to the love that we have for this message of the gospel, then our mission to be a witness to the world will not stop in our comfort zone. It's not going to stop in our friend group. It's not going to stop with our neighbors. Our witness here at Gateway will expand out through our neighborhoods, out through Tremont, Ohio City, out through Central, Euclid, Lakewood, Parma, Seven Hills, North Royalton, wherever you are. 
Our witness will expand throughout Northeast Ohio. It will expand to the unreached places of unbelief all over the world. Now, I know the elders here at Gateway, we would love to be sending out missionaries to be witnesses to the gospel of Christ. We would love to send domestic or, or international missionaries, and, and we'd love to spend time to, to equip you, to support you in whatever you would need. Right now, we do support missions here at Gateway through our association with the SBC. Part of the money in our budget that you guys contribute to does go to supporting missions. But we would like to do more than that. We would love it if we are able to send out our own members of Gateway out into the world. So if you're interested in this, if you feel like God is, is calling you to this, if this is something that, that you want to pursue, let us know. Talk to us. This is something that we would love to come beside you to help equip you and prepare you in this. We'd love to pray through this with you. There doesn't have to be a commitment here. We would just love to be able to pray what this would, and talk to you about what this would look like in your lives. Because we know that this is very important. This is part of our mission that we are on. Our witness is not just to be local, a local witness, but it is, needs to be ex ever-expanding to magnify the glory of the gospel of Christ. Now, I know what you might be thinking. You know, all this talk of bearing witness of Christ is great, but it seems hard. Maybe you're worried and maybe you have experience in, in times that you just haven't been able to articulate your thoughts when you were finally presented an opportunity to talk about the gospel. Maybe you're worried of, of what other people will think of you if you step out of your comfort zone and talk to them about Jesus. Maybe you're struggling with just the desire for the gospel in your own heart. Well, that leads us to our final and most important point today. I know I, I went a little bit out of order of verse 8, but I was hoping to kind of lay the foundation for what we're, our mission is and what we're being called to first. And now I want to transition and how we are being told that we can accomplish this. So our final point is that in order to effectively carry out our witness— we must first be equipped by the special power of the Holy Spirit. Beginning of verse 8 says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Before Jesus even tells his disciples to go out and be his witnesses in the world, he says, Wait. Wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon you and then go out and be my witnesses. We see the same exact thing in Luke 24. You must wait for this power to come on you and then go out and be my witnesses. So what is this power? And what do I mean when I say the special power of the Holy Spirit? Well, what I'm trying to convey here is that there's the difference between having the Holy Spirit and being filled with the Holy Spirit. 
And when we are talking about being equipped for the, with the Holy Spirit for an effective witness, we're talking about being filled and clothed with this special power for effectiveness in our witness. And I just want to unpack this a little bit. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but I think it'll be helpful to understand this difference really quick. So uh, Ephesians 1 verses 13 through 14 reads this. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is a guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So when you come to put your faith in Christ, you receive the Holy Spirit. And it works to regenerate your broken heart and turn your your life to a life of faithfulness in Christ. And now there is power in that. There is absolutely power in receiving the Holy Spirit upon faith and belief in Christ. You were dead in your sins and your trespasses, and then you were made alive in Christ. There is power there. But I believe there's also a a special power that, that comes from living in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Now, there are a few different terms for this in the Bible and definitely different terms in different Christian circles or denominations. The one referenced most often is being filled with the Spirit. So what does that mean? What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit if we already have it? Well, being filled with the Spirit is when someone who's already a believer receives extraordinary spiritual power for Christ-exalting ministry. We can see this in in many different places all over the New Testament. But we'll just look at a few this morning from the book of Acts, just so we have some examples from Scripture. If we flip over to Acts chapter 4, we see Peter, he's been arrested, and he's standing in front of the council in Jerusalem. And in verse 8, it says that Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then after that, Peter goes on to give this testimony to the glory of Christ. Later on in the same chapter, the disciples, they were released from prison. They were praying for boldness, that they would be able to preach the word of God. Verse 31 of that chapter, it says, And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. In Acts 7, after Stephen, he's given his remarkable speech to the council, and he was being stoned to death. And it says that he was full of the Spirit as he gazed up into heaven and saw the glory of God. And we can go on and on. There are many more passages that talk like this. We see that the Holy Spirit equips us with extraordinary power in order to carry out the Christ-exalting, our Christ-exalting ministry. And this isn't just a a one-time occurrence for people. This power of the Holy Spirit can can come and, and go as the need arises for the ministry of Christ. And now very quickly, I just want to quickly dismiss some misconceptions when we talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. And I, I want to do that from, from what we see in Scripture. You know, we see from, just from some of the texts that we looked at, but also other areas. 
When we're looking at scripture and we're looking at passages that talk about people being full of the spirit, filled with the spirit, what we don't see most often is people performing miracles. We don't most often see people speaking in angelic tongues. But when we do look at passages that say, that talk about people being filled with the spirit, what we most often see is people that are faithfully preaching the gospel message of Christ. We see them boldly standing up with courage for Christ to be a witness to his gospel. Now, is this power something, power of the Holy Spirit, something that we have access to ourselves? Or is this something that was just promised to the first generation of believers, but has since gone away? I think it's a valid question um, that people might ask. Well, Jesus said that this power is to bring his gospel to all nations. And that mission is not done yet. If the promise was given to empower the church to complete the Great Commission, then the promise is valid until the Great Commission is complete. And the witness of Christ has been planted among all the unreached people groups in the world. So if we are to be effective in our mission to expand the witness of the gospel, then we must be clothed with the power and the fullness of the Holy Spirit. If we have any hope in spreading this gospel, we can't just rely on our skills in oral debate or our knowledge of apologetics. If we have any hope of the gospel message breaking out of Gateway Church downtown and spreading across our communities throughout Northeast Ohio, spreading to the unreached areas of this world, we must be clothed in the power of the Holy Spirit that comes from the fullness of the Spirit. As a church, as a, as a church and as a whole, not just here at Gateway, we don't just need more evangelistic programs. We don't just need more money. We don't need more organizations. We, but what we need for an effective witness, but what we need is more of a desire for the gospel. And what we need is power. Power of the Spirit to take the word of God that has penetrated our own hearts. The message that has renewed and restored us. We need that power to go out amongst the people and spread the witness of Christ. Now, you're probably wondering, and I hope you're wondering, how do we get this power? How do we experience the, the outpouring of power from the Holy Spirit that comes from, from being filled with the Spirit upon our church and upon our own lives? Power that fills us and empowers us to, to live a Christ-exalting life. The being filled with the Spirit so that we, are, we can be effective in our witness, be effective in this mission that Jesus is giving us, that he's telling us that we must do. Now, I don't have much time to get deep into this today, and I do hope that later on in the series we can dig a little bit more into this topic. But I'll leave you with this. If we are to experience the fullness of the Holy Spirit, we must be consumed by the incomparable hope-giving promises of God. We must meditate and pray through the scripture 
we, we must be consumed by the love of God and inviting him in as, as the sole focus in our lives and in our hearts. Instead of being consumed or enamored by the world around us, instead of being consumed by our own selfishness, we must pray to God that, that God would align our heart with his, that our mission become his mission, that our goals, our purpose would be for his glory. And in doing that, we may be able to experience the fullness of the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, what would this even look like? What would this look like here at Gateway? What would it look like for us, us to be clothed with the power of the Holy Spirit as we are on mission to be witnesses to the gospel of Jesus Christ? Now, I don't even pretend to imagine that I know all the ways that the Holy Spirit would work in, in, in our church and the ways that this could manifest because the, the, the Spirit um, can manifest in different ways and, and he is so powerful that I would not dare to, to limit the ways that he would work through our congregation. But I do feel like there are three ways that this, we can see evidence and fruit of this in our church. First, we will see a deep conviction in the gospel of Christ in our own hearts. 1 Thessalonians 1.5 says, Because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. This goes back to the, the first point that I was trying to make. The gospel message isn't just something that you know in your mind but instead it is deeply rooted in your heart. You will have a deep conviction for the truth that the gospel bears on your own life. There will be confidence in the workings of Christ and his gospel. And we need this because if we're going to speak to people about Christ, we need to have a deep and confident conviction of his gospel. We need to hold this true. We need to be confident that what we're trying to tell people is deeply and wholeheartedly true. And the Holy Spirit can fill us and he can grant us the reassuring strength that, that everything that we know in our hearts is really true. And so as we, we look to bear witness to the gospel, we bear witness with confidence and that confidence will show itself. Second, when, we, when the Holy Spirit falls upon you in your witness to Christ, it will come with undeniable boldness. We will get into this in another message later in the series that I'm actually preaching on, so I'm not going to dive too deep into this point, but I know that we often fear what people will think. You know, what will your coworkers say when you break the unspoken rule and talk about your faith at work? What will your longtime neighbors say when all of a sudden you start talking to them about Jesus, even though you haven't talked to them about that before? How is that going to change your relationships? How is that going to change your lives? I know that, that sometimes we, we struggle with, with fear of man. We, we are afraid to be witnesses because of how the world will respond. 
One of my favorite passages from scripture comes from 2 Timothy 1, verses 7 and 8. It's short, and it's really easy to memorize, so it's very helpful for, for times like this that you you have fear or that you're, you're lacking, you're lacking understanding of the whole, what the Holy Spirit has for you and you're lacking willpower. So I'm just going to read, read for us 2 Timothy 1, 7 through 8. It says, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. So the boldness to proclaim the gospel comes from the fullness of the Spirit. And as a church, we are equipped with the Holy Spirit. And as we are equipped with the Holy Spirit, we will be marked by this boldness to proclaim the gospel. Can you imagine what it would look like if we are all, everyone here at Gateway, is bold in their witness that they're not afraid to go out on the street and talk to strangers about the gospel, to talk to people that are interacting, that they interact with on an everyday basis about what the good news of Christ is. That is empowering. And finally, the third way that I think this can manifest, when the Holy Spirit falls upon you in, the pow- in power, your witness to Christ will come with more converting effectiveness. As I said before, you know, you can know all the arguments, you can be as prepared as you want, but if the power of the Holy Spirit is not there, it's, it's going to be less effective. If you're not full of the Spirit, it, it will be less effective. Now, I don't mean that evangelism cannot occur, because it can. People can be turned to Christ still, but it's, it will be less effective. Our mission is not a trivial one. It's not a simple one. We are trying to convince people with hardened hearts to open theirs up to Christ. We are trying to have the blind see the glory of God. We are trying to have the deaf hear the news of Jesus Christ. Evangelism is supernatural work with eternal significance. And so if we see our church experiencing the fullness of the Spirit, we will see a much greater success in our efforts to be a witness to Christ. But I want to, I want to encourage you through this. Just because you don't see fruit from your witnessing, that doesn't mean that you have not been faithful. It doesn't even mean that you weren't experiencing the fullness of the Spirit for your work as you were trying to bear witness to Christ. Because I know all of us have probably tried to share the gospel with someone and, and they thought that, that they, they did it well, but there was, there was no fruit in that. The person, the message just fell on deaf ears. But I want you to think of it like this. We're basically like mailmen. We're responsible for getting the messages to the people. And then ultimately it's up to God and whether or not they like what they hear. We need to be faithful in how we present the gospel. We need to be faithful in seeking out and responding to opportunities. But ultimately it's very important for us to understand that it is God who saves and not us. And so 
it is important for us to be seeking out and experiencing the fullness of God in our witness. And, and we, we shall see fruit. I, I am certain that there will be fruit in that. But don't get discouraged. Don't get discouraged when you don't see every opportunity be successful. Because that doesn't mean that God isn't still using that. A few years ago, uh, in 2017, it was actually the day after the Las Vegas shooting, I was walking through the cafeteria at work with a coworker of mine. And I remember during that time, I was, I was very earnestly praying to God and asking God for more opportunities at work to just share the gospel. I didn't know what that looked like. And honestly, I was, I was a little afraid of how that would be interpreted, how people would take that message. And so I was nervous. And so I was praying a lot about that. And, and so as me and my coworker, as we were walking through the cafeteria, we have some TVs posted in, in there and, and um, the news came up and the news headline was talking about the Las Vegas shooting. And my coworker, he, he turned to me and he said, I know we haven't talked about it, but I know you're a Christian. How do you, how can you believe in God when things like that happen? When he asked me that, I, my heart honestly just, just sprang up. I was, I was really excited and I just smiled at him. And I'm like, hey, do you wanna go for a walk and we can talk about it for a while? I knew that God, he was giving me this opportunity. He wanted me to explain the gospel. I was praying for it and, he, and here it was. And so we went on a walk. We, we were talking for half hour, 45 minutes. I, I shared my testimony. I explained to him the gospel. And as we finished up the walk, he was polite. He appreciated the conversation, but ultimately it fell on deaf ears. Now, I don't know how God will use that conversation later on in my coworker's life. That conversation still could bear fruit. There's no way I can tell that right now. But ultimately, what I was responsible for was faithfully presenting the message. And then, ultimately, it was in God's hand to turn his heart towards him. And so it's important to remember that when we talk about evangelism, I know it's easy to get discouraged. I don't want us to feel that way. But instead, I want us to feel encouraged. I want us to feel emboldened and empowered by the Holy Spirit. We should feel a deep love and conviction for the gospel of our Lord and Savior. And that should just encourage us to pursue every opportunity that comes our way in being a witness for Jesus Christ. And it should be encouraging to you to know that that God has given you the spirit to be able to help you with this because he has set you on mission, but he, he wants his mission to succeed. He wants people to come to him. He wants the gospel message to spread across the world to all people. And so we should be encouraged that, that as we go out and as we are attempting these efforts to be on mission, that he has given us all that we need to be successful in our mission. And we should just be encouraged that even if we don't see success in every opportunity, we should feel encouraged that we are being faithful to the mission that he has called us on. Our mission to bear, to bear witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ.
So are you living your life in a way that resembles what Christ has commanded us to do? Are you driven by the desire for the gospel message? The message that is so deeply impactful to our own hearts to spread that to every person, to every nation. Are you being faithful in your responsibility to be a witness to a lost and fallen world? I know we probably all struggled with this. I have. I've felt discouraged at times. But I just want to encourage you. And I hope that this series, as we progress through the summer and we talk about this more, I really hope that it can be an encouragement to you. And so I'm going to encourage you to pray. You know, if this is something that you struggle with, if you're someone who just feels like you're not good enough to talk about, about to people about Jesus, if you, if you feel like you're just, you're afraid of the consequences of it, if, or maybe, maybe you're just someone who has lost the desire to be a witness, I, I want to encourage you to pray. Pray to God and ask him to change your heart in a way that aligns your mission with his. Pray that God would equip and enable you to be a faithful witness for him. Pray to God that he will use you, that he will use you in this world to be a witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, uh, we thank you so much. We thank you for your gospel. God, we we thank you for the way that the good news of your gospel has penetrated our hearts and our lives. The way, God, that, that we are able to be so full of love, experiencing your love through the great work of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, we pray that as we go throughout our weeks, our days, that we would be faithful in our witness of Jesus Christ. God, we pray that you would raise up people in this church, that you would enable them, that you would equip them to go out, to be missionaries. We pray that, that we would be able to bear witness to your glory God, we thank you that as we go out and bear witness that we are not doing this ill-equipped, we are not doing this on our own, God, but you have given us everything we need in the Holy Spirit. And that you have given the Holy Spirit to come upon us and to give us power to be able to faithfully proclaim your message. And so, Lord, we pray that, that you would help us to experience the fullness of your Holy Spirit that you would allow our church, Gateway Church Downtown, to be able to experience what that is, especially as we are going to bear witness to this world.